Hi, everyone. This is Alicia Halliday, and this is the ASF Weekly Science Podcast. Motor disturbances in children with autism have been widely reported. Parents report that poor motor control is one of the earliest features of autism, and now it's even part of the DSM-5 Diagnostic Manual. The problems include disturbances in different motor domains, including gross motor and fine motor areas, as well as things like coordination, postural control, standing, and balance. Gross motor is things like walking. Fine motor is like things like holding a pencil. One does not necessarily mean the other. My daughter has a friend that can walk fine, but can't feed herself because she can't hold a spoon with her fingers. Researchers also know from small studies that development of motor skills is important for later social communication and social engagement. In fact, these motor problems may affect opportunities for social experiences and social learning. It may also impact the other person's understanding of their intentions. This is an important issue to look at in autism, and in fact, intervening on motor function is a part of early intervention strategies. A few years ago, ASF funded a study by Klaus Libertus that looked at this issue. He developed some gloves for infants that were sticky, so they would be better able to interact with the world around them. Did it improve their later autism symptoms? Well, the jury is still out on that, but keep your ear out for the name Klaus Libertus in the future. It's going to come up again and again in this podcast. In kids and adults with autism, motor issues aren't necessarily universal. They have specific issues with things like preparing movements, especially when all three dimensions in space is required. Back and forth may be not as obvious as back and forth and up and down. This is even more so for people with autism than it is for people without autism, which working in 3D is obviously more difficult than moving around in 2D. People with autism seem to have difficulty planning and executing reaching movements. But what this podcast is really about is those very early motor abilities and how they translate to core autism features, as in the core autism features of social communication and interaction issues, and also severity of autism symptoms later in life. Can motor issues early in infancy and toddlerhood be used to predict later autism symptoms in children and adolescents? Two new studies this week examine the issue of how motor concerns in early life help predict later autism symptoms and how motor issues are linked to core autism features. Now, surprise, surprise, they both use the infant SIB model because it's very hard to target infants with autism without using siblings with a 15 times greater chance of an autism diagnosis themselves. Now, if you tracked every infant from birth, you'd have to track a whole lot of them to get over 50 with autism. And frankly, no typical family really wants to go through this intensive monitoring. But families with one child already with autism, they are typically very willing to participate in a study which requires them to come in for regular monitoring and potential chances at very early intervention. There are dozens of researchers around the world who work with these infant siblings, and most of them collaborate through what's known as the Baby Siblings Research Consortium. You might know this already, but I'll say it anyway. They put some of their individual site data into a larger database because even with the higher probability of that sibling developing an autism diagnosis, it is sometimes hard to find these families, and you might only be dealing with less than a dozen at one particular research site. So that's really tough to make actual conclusions. Using the collaborative database, the researchers then put their data into one big pot and the analysis reveals things that would not have been possible at one site alone. Klaus Libertus is part of this collaboration. 
One of those questions is whether or not fine motor or gross motor performance in infancy predicts later severity of autism. By studying those with a high probability of receiving an autism diagnosis compared to those without this liability, you can look at autism the outcome or simply being in a family where there is an autism diagnosis as being a factor. Most kids in these high-risk families don't end up with a diagnosis. Only about 20% do, so about 80% don't. But of those 80%, 30% of those without a diagnosis do have significant developmental challenges, showing it does not have to be an all-or-nothing thing. Also, it's important to know that autism symptoms may be on a continuum, some being to the level of a psychological diagnosis and some just being features or traits. A collaborative effort led by Janet Iverson at the University of Pittsburgh found that fine but not gross motor skills at six months of age helped predict those who would go on to get an autism diagnosis at three years of age or those that had a family history and had high ADOS scores but didn't quite make that diagnostic threshold. Now, in her test, some of the things that fine motor skills entail could be reflexively grasping a ring, non-reflexively grasping a peg, transferring blocks from one box to another, holding the hand open with the fingers extended, and using two hands to manipulate an object. Remember, these are six-month-olds. They're not quite ready to put together a model airplane or anything just yet. Now, gross motor skills are things like rolling over, standing and bouncing, pulling themselves to stand. Maybe these things could be related to an autism diagnosis, but not at six months. So while fine motor skills were found to be predictive, gross motor skills were not as accurate as fine motor skills in predicting who would have autism. These fine motor skills were impaired in all kids with a family history of autism, regardless of whether or not they themselves had an autism diagnosis. Those who were considered high risk or those with the greater chance of developing autism performed worse than those labeled low risk or those with no family history. There were, in fact, no early motor scores that absolutely separated out those who received an ASD diagnosis and those who had a family history and showed signs of autism but didn't get a diagnosis. This means that early motor impairments as early as six months should be of concern, but they're not specific to ASD. Jana Iverson, lead author, had this to say. Delayed motor development is frequently observed among infants with an older sibling of, with autism spectrum disorder. The results of this study highlight the importance of the continued developmental surveillance of these infants, especially those exhibiting delayed motor development from early in infancy. During the first year of life, infants acquire and refine many new motor skills that change and enhance their interactions with objects and people in ways that support development of social interaction and language abilities. Challenges with early fine and gross motor skills thus may have consequences later in development in areas other than motor abilities. Early identification and intervention for infants with motor delays may help prevent the ne potentially negative cascading effects of these delays on development. So remember that word cascading because it may start with motor, but it ends up being something a little bit different. However, the story doesn't end there. Rebecca Landa and her group at Kennedy Krieger in Baltimore looked at the early motor skills at six months and later language functioning in those who developed autism and those that did not. Now, she used a different measure of motor function at six months and found that fine motor function did, in fact, predict ASD. Dr. Iverson's study found that it predicted ASD and those with high ADOS scores but didn't quite meet an autism diagnosis. Dr. Landa's test looks specifically at visual motor integration tasks, which seems to be specifically impaired at six-month-olds with autism. 
Just because the same exact finding wasn't seen in the earlier paper, I don't think this takes away from the message that at six months, if there are motor issues, especially fine motor issues, parents should be concerned and alert their pediatrician. Now, Dr. Landa's paper also has vocabulary and language at 36 months or three years of age. Remember, early on, the point was made that early motor issues affect how babies interact with the world around them and could have what Dr. Iverson called cascading effects on social behavior and interaction, as well as social communication. Dr. Landa and her colleague, Eve Labarton, found that stationary and grasping subscales predicted expressive language at 30 and 36 months of age. Now, this was true for those that had an autism diagnosis and those babies who had an older sibling with autism and were more likely to see a diagnosis. Dr. Landa and her colleague, Eve Labarton, found that stationary and grasping subscales predicted expressive language at 30 and 36 months of age. Dr. Landa and Labarton had this to say about their study. This study adds to the existing literature. We found that at six months, infants having an older sibling with autism performed worse on motor tests than infants not having an older sibling with autism. By age six months, lower visual motor integration performance is predictive of a later ASD diagnosis in infants who have an older sibling with autism. Stationary and grasping scores predicted expressive language at 30 and 36 months. Parents should know that early motor differences do not necessarily mean a child would have autism when he or she gets older. But if a child has a family history of autism and shows even mild motor differences, evaluation and enrichment to strengthen motor development are important next steps. Give your baby lots of opportunities to explore different types of toys. You will want to join in face-to-face with your baby as he or she explores toys, commenting on what he or she is doing, and even imitating what he or she does. Now, as everyone has just said, I want to reiterate, the motor difficulties identified in infants are actionable. Early motor interventions may improve motor development and attenuate the impact of motor difficulties on early social and communication development and even of later autism symptoms. Such work is underway with Dr. Landa's group. Preemptive and intervention programs for at-risk infants have shown promising results, and the results of the present study provide important cues to the possible active ingredients in these interventions. Motor issues are an obvious target for early intervention, and it's scientifically justified. But everyone agrees that it should not be the only target, and motor interventions should not be limited to just the toddler period. I hope with this podcast, you see that these systems are interrelated and what seems part of autism, but not necessarily part of core features does in fact interrelate. I hope scientists make more progress, better understanding other early features of autism and how they influence autism outcome.